Hello, everybody, and welcome to a very 1960s episode of Bloody Good Horror. It's like uh, Austin Powers, but serious, John. Review over. Done. Um, Not funny, that's for sure. We're here tonight to talk about Last Night in Soho. This is the latest from Edgar Wright, and we're going to do that in a minute here. First up, joining me from Manhattan, New York City, please welcome Mr. John Schnars to the show. Eric, did you know they invented white slavery in uh, the 1960s? Did they? <laughs> Sorry, just got to go there right out of the gate. Uh, ne- John, I got a bone to pick with you later about this marathon <laughs> you ran, but we'll talk about it. Okay. Next up on the show okay. from Indiana, please welcome Casey. Hello. Next up from the West Coast, you're uh, Portland. Yeah. Ooh, nailed it. Please welcome. <laughs> he never fr- remembers anyone. That's <laughs> <laughs> amazing. Please welcome um, from the Zombie Girls Podcasting Network, Ariel, back to the show. Hi. Thanks for having me. Sure. And last up tonight, joining us again um, from the, wh- what is the city called? I know the name I'm, of it. I was about to say the Music City. I don't think that's right. No. <laughs> that's Nashville, even though that's fake news. From um, uh, Memphis, Tennessee, in full cosplay tonight for Last Night in Soho, please welcome Elizabeth to the show. Hey, y'all. I'm probably about to have to hop off to move a hamster named Tippy Hedron into my daughter's bedroom because she's <laughs> loud AF. Love it. <laughs> a hamster but name? nice to see you guys. Yes, John, that's a hamster she's, named Tippy Hedron. They, like, they gnaw on the bars of their cage to... Um, stop their front teeth from growing indefinitely. I read this at Petco the day I was by. Well, sorry, I didn't rescue the hamster. But um, rescue. Can John, you, fun fact: that, that's also yes, how, you can. That's also how John trims his teeth. Um, <laughs> well, why don't you go do that? Because I have some business to attend here, here with Mr. Schnars. So let's do it. Let's take a quick break and discuss last night in Soho. This is it, Jennifer. Soho, John. I don't know where you're going with this. Confession. Mm. Um, I did not know Soho was in London until I was like, oh, this movie's set in London. Yes, that there just, is one there too. That sound, isn't that what they call like... Isn't there something Wait. in California referred to as Soho? No, in New York City, there is also oh, a Soho. Oh, okay, okay. Yes. All right, so I don't feel quite as stupid as I did when I was like, oh, it's London. Okay. Yeah. Got it. They would probably say they have the original, which I would guess is accurate, just mm-hmm. chronologically mm-hmm, mm-hmm. speaking. <laughs> um, John, real quick, since we're waiting for a hamster to be moved here, you um, you ran a marathon this weekend. Correct. I specifically requested sweaty running picks and got nothing but your like post picture yeah all right so here's the deal when i'm running the marathon <laughs> i'm not taking pictures of myself i don't run with my phone this so is, i didn't have the ability my wife if you want the story suzanne the darling wife uh had one job which is like bring <laughs> the kids to the marathon and watch me run the race not like a lot of watching just like find a spot and like watch they got to see me at like mile like 25. Oh, wow. Uh, and instead of a picture, she just took a video, which 
I'll take that. I mean, if you want to see it, I'm like hobbling like a 75 year old man <laughs> running this marathon because I was not doing great at that point. Well, how'd you do? I fine. You know, I was, I was pleased, but not, you know, I wouldn't have mattered how I did. I would want to go faster. So I, let's put it that way. But you're like, you got, it was, it was good. You so you got like third place and you were upset. That you yeah. Didn't win. Yeah. I get it. I think I came in 631st place. I not bad. My place. Out of how many people? Yeah. I don't know. It's gotta be I, I actually don't. I honestly, do, I did not look up how many people ran it. No, but, um, it was a lot. Like there were like. 10,000 maybe something that's, like dude, that. Dude, that's pretty impressive. Yeah. yeah no. A couple thousand was, more than my marathon. I would have come good. in 10,000th, so I'm pretty <laughs> impressed by that. All right, John. Uh, yeah. Hopefully you Tibby have. Tibby Hedron has been dealt with. So. <laughs> John. I got, um, a little quick snapshot of her I can send you guys. <laughs> John, hopefully you have enough energy left to bring us the word of the day. Do you do you carbo load for the word of the day, John? <laughs> I've, uh, I, Eric, uh, you'll be pleased to know I'm back on the sauce. So oh, I've been carbo loading in liquid form. I was worried. This I'm not gonna lie. You kind of yeah. You sound to me in that way that I know when you've had one drink. You sound to me like you're in the sauce. <laughs> I was gonna say I've had one and a half. So, <laughs> uh, but after a couple weeks off, you know, it gets you. Um, today's word, chiffon. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I, we did not plan this ahead of time, but uh, it's C H I F F O N, chiffon, a light sheer fabric typically made of silk or nylon. Love it. It can also apparently be um, of a cake or dessert made with beaten egg whites to give a light consistency. Oh, I know about that because I watched the Great British Baking Show. Yep. Yeah, me too. <laughs> also <laughs> takes place in the UK. The word chiffon comes to us from the French chiff, which means rag. Huh. So, interesting. Yeah. That's very interesting. Oh, this, uh, this old rag. Yeah, exactly. Uh, maybe that's where that comes from. <laughs> Love it. Well, John, why don't you tell me a little bit about who is this uh, Edgar Wright fella and, mm-hmm. and what's the deal with this movie? Edgar Wright. I, I mean, there was a time where we would have called him like a. I don't know. One of the he was like on the Mount Rushmore. The if if we had a Mount Rushmore of hard directors. So um, originally directed Shaun of the Dead. Um, he did The World's End. Uh, what I mean, Hot Fuzz, Scott Pilgrim, um, Baby Driver. Most recently, I think before this, he also did a movie that came out this year called The Sparks Brothers, which is a documentary. I haven't seen it, but I heard an interview with him talking about it. So. Um, but yeah, Last Night in Soho, this stars, uh, oh shit, I clicked away from the, um, her name is Thomasin McKenzie mm-hmm. as Eloise. She is a fashion, a burgeoning or, or aspiring fashion designer living in Cornwall area, it's sort of like the, like the Albany of the UK, I believe. <laughs> okay, John. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, so, and she gets a uh, she gets accepted to like the whatever London School of Design or whatever. I don't know. It was VAL, I think. She's or just UAL? a just a country mouse becoming a big city girl, John. Yes, University Arts London, maybe that's what it stood for. I, don't know. Oh, um, I tried to figure that out the whole time. I, uh, that's a guess. Um, so she goes to the big city. It is revealed very, I mean, like first sequence is her and her grandmother kind of discussing her getting this scholarship and and this opportunity. Um, She has, she's touched 
I guess we would say. She has the shining. She can communicate with the dead. Uh, mostly that is with her mother, who uh, her mother, I, I guess, committed suicide when she was seven, mm. if I remember For correctly. For the record, John, I always thought touched meant something else, but that might have been my um, misinterpretation of that. I mean, I think. Well, I was Catholic. It meant something. <laughs> really I think it has well. several. Uh, no, I always thought it meant like a little. Uh, 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 it, it can be used generically. Yeah. Gifted. She's, she's, you know. I would have used the word touch to describe her love interest in this movie. Let's put it that way. Oh. Oh. Come on. Simple. That's low. That's low. All right. In any event, she, she gets to London. Um, she is having problems with the other students who she's, she is randomly assigned to basically the biggest bully in school as her roommate, um, who immediately just goes in on her for being like not urbane i don't know it was it was a little that was a bit aggressive um and so she decides to get a room on her own that she's going to pay for with cash so she she rents a room at the top floor of this uh you know building you know let's say like a third story walk-up situation um and the landlady kind of gives her all these rules um and but she's happy and so she she's living there and basically like the first night she's there she starts to have these visions and that kind of connects her back through time to the, like late mid to late 1960s to this woman Sandy who is an aspiring singer played by Anya Taylor-Joy and so the rest of the movie is sort of Thomason and Sandy's well Thomason experiencing Sandy's timeline while also herself kind of experiencing this like new in London set uh, world or you know setting um there's like a bunch of other characters like so john is her boyfriend that eric was taking pot shots at earlier um <laughs> there's john there is well, i guess you know miss collins or sandy there's jack jack is played by matt smith who's we've talked about him before but he's like the most evil looking he looks so evil yeah like, <clears throat> As soon as you see him on screen, you're like, well, he's definitely in, a bad Well, guy. but in fact, in the, <laughs> but in the beginning, they don't code him that way. And I was like, I'm not buying it. No, exactly. They're like, oh, maybe he's going to help her. And then it's like immediately he's. He's the crown, right? Yeah. So he's I'm so well, used to him as Doctor Who that oh, I didn't right. code him as yeah. being evil right off the bat. Interesting. Interesting. <laughs> yeah, didn't he play, for some reason yeah. in my head, when I see his face, I'm like, oh, that guy played some version of Hannibal or something. Oh. But maybe I'm just making that up. I, th- I think that's it. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, he's like Charles Manson. He's got a Hannibal look to him. Hmm. Manson, that'll do it. Um, so yeah, he uh Matt this this uh what's what's the character's name now for Jack. Jack uh is he positions himself as Sandy's manager, but very quickly it's revealed that he is uh, like a pimp. I mean, he is a pimp and he is forcing her to become a prostitute to sort of I don't know, like, I, I hesitate to call them, like, it's like a high-class prostitute, but it's sort of these, like, it's... It's like staffing the women. club. Yeah, they, like, think they're going to have singing careers, and so, and they do sing and dance in this. It's like a burlesque show, but on the side, they're also being forced to act as prostitutes. And it's through, like, physical violence and intimidation. Um, it's, it's pretty... It's really grim, actually, like, this mm-hmm. segment of the movie where he is kind of putting her into this life is just brutal. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, that's the setup. Like the, at the center of the movie is sort of this question of like, what's happening to Sandy and also what's happening to Eloise. And 
so she starts to dress like Sandy. She is like using Sandy as inspiration for her work as a fashion designer. Um, but it's also getting increasingly dark where there's like zombies following her around. We don't know what Sandy's ultimate fate is until pretty late in the film. Um, but it's not good. Like she's not having a good time and neither is Eloise. And so that's kind of the, the trajectory that this is on. All right. I would love somebody to write in and tell me what kind of British accent the main actress has. Not Anya Taylor Joy. Her British accent is New Zealand. (laughs) Is that where she's she's from? Yes, she's from New Zealand. Interesting. Because it had a weird quality to it that I could not place. (laughs) Because she was just one of the main characters in Old. That's she's the uh, sister. She has the 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 minute baby. Yes. Uh no 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 no. The instant rice baby. Are you sure? No, no. Yeah, yeah. It's the she's the older sister of the touched boy in old who has the baby with the other yeah. girl. But he's she was also before oh, that okay. she was in uh, Taika Waititi's uh, Jojo Rabbit. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, um, Ariel, why don't you kick us off and uh, tell us what you thought? Yeah, um, I actually really liked this movie. I know it wasn't everybody's cup of tea, but. I think the way that this, excuse me, I think the way that this movie looks and feels is, is excellent. I think I was sort of immediately transported back in time. It's so lush. There's so much to it with the costuming and the set design and the soundtrack is amazing that it really felt like a fully kind of realized world. And I appreciated that. I think the acting is great. I will say that I agree with some of the points you guys made in emails about some of the twists that I'm sure we'll get into being a little bit weak and maybe the themes not all coming together in the end, but I actually had a lot of fun with this one. Mm-hmm. Elizabeth. Sorry, excuse me. Um, it was, I was really looking forward to this. Um, and it was not entirely a disappointment. I want to say up front. Like I really, I mean, I, I put it on again for the third time, just like in the background. I don't know. I do that with stuff. So like, <laughs> pretty quickly. Um, I mean, it's gorgeous. Like it really is like beautiful clothes and beautiful people. And the acting is not, I don't think it, I don't think the acting is bad throughout. Like, I I don't feel like there is like a super weak link with the acting to me. It's a very, um, missed opportunity to discuss some of the themes that they are, I think, kind of broaching and sort of touching on. They seem to have a lot to say about, several things that I feel like never quite get there. And then they take a few left turns that I don't feel like were earned throughout mm. the length of the film, um, which I mean, I think it was a fine length and I, you know, I enjoyed myself. Like I wasn't disliking the film while I was watching it at all. I'm also Ariel, like obsessed with the music and like yeah. the aesthetic of this film and everything about the way it sounds is, I mean, I already knew like they, I was theirs to lose. Like when I saw three <laughs> seconds of this trailer, I was like, okay, this was like, <laughs> I love it. Um, and shout out to, I need to look up the costume designer and hair and makeup. That's not easy with like multiple colors on the actresses. I did a fantastic job in ex- executing that. So it has some amazing points. We'll get into the kind of nitty gritty, I think on where they lose the thread a little in the plot. Mm-hmm. But um, I mean, it's not a bad time. Like no. I would recommend it. Yeah. Casey. Save the recommendation. My gosh. No. <laughs> <laughs> I heard it. Like, 
<laughs> so I'm a pretty big Edgar Wright fan, although I would say Baby Driver's probably on the lower end of his movies for me, just because I connected more with the other movies more than anything. So I was really kind of looking forward to this to see what he did. And overall, in the end, I was pretty happy with this movie. I think it's got a super unique atmosphere and pacing that's going through it. And like everybody said, the costume design, set design and everything, it's just gorgeous to look at. And it really comes off the screen. They do crazy stuff with colorings and stuff. Um, we'll talk about it off and on here. To me, and we've talked about it a lot in email, this really strikes me as like Edgar Wright's homage to a Giallo film. It's not perfectly a Giallo film, but like somebody saying, hey, this is my homage, I think it fits pretty close because there's a lot of similar themes that are going on here with the imagery. Um, I would dare say there's a scene or two that even gave me like Argento vibes in this that we'll bring up later, um, mostly on the way the scene was laid out and colored and everything like that. So, But overall, it was fun, and I couldn't predict exactly where they were going, which is always good with a, a plus in the – you know, score column for a story for me, if I can't hundred percent detect where they're going and I'm pretty engaged, I'm pretty happy. So. Snaps. I'm definitely on the more negative side here. <laughs> I'm going to try to, I want to be fair. Like there, there is everything that folks are saying. I, I actually agree with a lot of it. Um, the, the art direction and the general, like conception of this film is, is really, really good. I mean, but to me that's sort of expected. And I would say table stakes for someone like Edgar Wright. I mean, I don't think I haven't seen, I've not seen every movie, but every movie that I have seen by Edgar Wright, I have really, really enjoyed. I mean, he, so I came into this with a pretty high bar and it just, it felt like a miss to me for a lot of reasons. I would say most of it had to do with the scripting. Um, it's, I would start with the Thomason character. Firstly, I, I didn't think she was great as an actress. And I, I actually would probably put more of that on the script than on her. Like, I think it was a pretty stilted type of role. And, and some of that comes through in the performance. Um, but like, I, I just, there was never a point where I was clear on what her arc was and, and where we were going with her. Um, she is basically a victim for the whole movie and sort of a victim of her own mental illness, if we want to go in that direction, or of her her shining and like the demons that it was bringing forth. Um, I think too... I also just had a problem with the fact that like this, this main relationship that's established between Eloise, the the main character, and then Sandy, the Anya Taylor Joy character, it feels really arbitrary, right? Like, so, you know, Eloise, the setup is like Eloise loves the 1960s and that's established sort of early on in the film. I mean, from the first scene she's listening, I can't remember what song it is now, but she's consistently like listening to a record player, these old classic records. Her grandmother lets her take all of her old records to college with her. Um, so she has this, this sort of almost like fetish fetishization or fetish like relationship of the sixties. Um, and then for her to land in a place where so she, she rents this room that turns out to be the same room that the Sandy character was in, you know, decades before. And so I don't know. It's just like a convenient link to a thing where she already had this. I don't know. Like it all kind of like fits like too neatly, but isn't really explained in any way. Um, I don't know. Like, so 
Also, just, like, the, never, the mother, like, what does that have to do with anything? Well, yeah, point? her mother being lost, that was kind of just, like, a setup to her having these abilities. I mean, but is that a full-on red herring at some point with the direction it goes in? Like, Well, so the the way they set it up, like, the okay. mom the mom references that, sorry, the grandmother references that the mom had the same types of problems. Like, multiple and, times, yeah. Yeah, yeah, so, I don't know, like, but again, like, all that stuff is just kind of layered in there. Um so I don't know. It just never really like I agree. Like I actually loved all of the stuff that was happening in the 1960s from a set design standpoint. Like the story, I I I was somewhat joking, but also like pretty serious. Like it gets really grim, and there's not ever even like a clear direction of like who is the um, sort of primary, like who's the the um, tie in for the audience to like root for and. You know, that through their actions, they're changing the course of this film because for Eloise, it's just like happening to her. Right. There isn't, she her. never develops like, which the setup is, is right there in front of them, but she never develops a mission as a character. Yeah. And it's there. Like it's literally, he did everything except connect the dots and make it come together in the end. Well, you know? yeah. And look like the way that this ends, like I think just undermines a lot of the rest of the film in a really, in a really negative way. Like it, it turned me against them. Like I was kind of like, yeah, all right, whatever. We'll see where this is going the, I, again. And I'll stop. But like the setup is that this is a mystery film. It's actually like very barely a horror movie. There's a lot of like horror elements. I would almost be surprised if some of that stuff wasn't put in later or edit, like if the film wasn't recut to try to make it a little scarier because as a mystery, it doesn't work. You don't even know what the mystery is. Yeah. Right. Until right. very late in the movie. Well, that's what I mean. It's, it's not like a genre film that you can't really tell what genre it is. Like, no, it was. And, yeah, and that's true. Casey's right. Like there, there's a lot of giallo stuff in this. It only occurred to me that this was a giallo film in the actual murder sequence, which happens like an hour and a half into the movie. I know. I wrote it's it down. Shot, it's now it's a horror movie. Well, it's very explicitly like the way he shoots the knife and the blood going all over the red lights. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. There is, there is like the, the way it's lit a lot of the time it, it, whatever it get, he, he earns it and there is homage there, but um, it's, it never goes all the way there. And it certainly doesn't go there. The level of like violence and like usually like, kill sequences that you see in a giallo film, the way those kill sequences are shot, there's a lot of like first person in those movies. Like, I don't know. It just, it didn't like, there are no real, like there's no stalking. There's no like slash, you know, it's just, it's more like, I feel like that's kind of, is it kind of in right now to be this like new wave giallo kind of, I think it's in for people on the, I think it's in for people on the internet to be like, it's giallo. It seems to be a trend that I I feel like. Yeah, no, you might be right. Giallo films are also detective movies. Like they are right. like the main characters usually. And she's detective. not a detective. Like, <laughs> no. I mean, she becomes one later on when she goes to the library and she starts oh, trying she, to figure oh, okay. out yeah. who murdered Sandy. She has the but, 90s. Like, <laughs> she's solving a mystery. About this and she is trying to solve a mystery this whole time of like what's going on. But I'll grant mm-hmm. you that it isn't a typical giallo film in that sense i think the way that they made it look the way that things are lit and shot the way that the one death by car happens how sort of grisly and sudden it is that felt very giallo to me too and just the fact that it's this young girl who or a young woman excuse me who is coming to this new school you know an art school and trying to find her way and she's being bullied Uh by more senior students i mean that all feels very suspiria Suspiria. too and it feels and it feels european 
Yeah, yeah. Well, it is, it is European. I know, right. but they're in Europe. But it distinctly uh, has that John, those movies used to They're be. not in yeah. the European Union anymore, John. No, that's true. Although it, that's true. And I don't know that there was one at this point. Um, no. I don't know. When was the Treaty of Versailles? When did that happen? Um, <laughs> I think I think I'm in the middle somewhere. Uh, this is a visually stunning movie, I think is fair to say. And it is... It moves when when he has these sequences going. The thing visually moves like friggin' lightning. Like these dream sequences are so well put together. I really loved all of the stuff with mirrors. It almost like some of that almost reminded me of Scarface a couple times. Like the way that club, that nightclub, where there's just all of the different mirrors kind of bouncing off. Mm-hmm. Um, and that stuff is fun. Like even right through to the end. It has a visual flair that I think really, even as things get a little wonky, it kind of keeps you in it at least in a way that it's entertaining. Like I never, th- I don't think this movie ever gets boring. I do think it's it's really wild. You go about an hour in without it any hint that it's a horror movie, and it's sort of interesting how hard of a right turn it takes. Where like she goes through a couple of these dream sequences and it's like so much fun. Like, I, like no joke. I was like, this is like serious Austin powers. Like that's, which is basically just a reverse, like, you know, <laughs> satire or whatever, or reverse parody. But it's like, which by the way, John is just reality in case you were keeping it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but it's, <laughs> this is how it really was in the 60s. <laughs> those first couple of dream sequences are very fun. The music is going, it's shot so dynamically. You're watching her sort of relish in being in this era that she's always had an obsession with. By the way, John, all they had to do was be like, here is my mother's sketchbook from when she was young and she dre- she sketched all these 60s dresses and that's why I'm obsessed but, with it. Done. I was going to say, like, the timeline wouldn't work. Like, her I mom wasn't was the, movie's two hour, the movie's two hours long, John. You couldn't have fit that in. Oh, I know. Yeah. But to your point, I hadn't really thought about it until you said it, but like it's weird to not give any reason for that whatsoever. It also made me laugh that I listen, this, this might sound stupid. I don't know anything about fashion. Really? Elizabeth, you can correct me here, but I thought it was really funny that in her class, like she's just drawing old outfits. It's not like a re recontextualized. It's not, she didn't invent the wheel. I did definitely. It's not drawing a styling and modernizing and like, Oh, that's so creative. And the teacher's like, no, no, no you're really onto something here. And I'm like, yeah, she's onto <laughs> fucking copying the sketch out of this other book. Like that's what she's doing. Anyway, mm-hmm. I thought that was funny, but it is. It was very Joey from Dawson's Creek in art class. Yes, it's wild. <laughs> it's wild how hard of a right turn it takes from like bouncy and fun. And like, you're enjoying this like almost romantic thing she's experiencing to then <laughs> the next scene have it be like, Oh, by the way, um, I'm a pimp and you're going to have sex with that dude. Now you're this dancer. And it's like, she's got bags under her eyes. It is both a little silly, but also I think interesting. Like it's interesting how hard it swings. I do think that the second it becomes a horror movie, it starts going off the rails. Like, I don't think that for a couple reasons, I think that um, there's a section like 90 minutes into this movie, or maybe even like 65, 70 minutes where it starts feeling repetitive where it really starts feeling like she's kind of just being chased by these weird faceless ghosts, which are legit. If we're being honest, like PG 13 bargain bin horror special effects. They're not scary. There's some attempts at jump scares. That's to where you're talking about John, where it almost feels like somebody was like, guys, this needs to be more of a horror movie. If we're going to sell it. Why is it used to such a, like the volume of these 
yeah. ghost zombies. It's absurd. So yeah, there's a they point. Show I mean, them for way too long. And the fact that there are multiple scenes where she's seeing them and other people, of course, can't. And so she looks crazy to them and goes, mm-hmm. you know, running out of a room for no reason. I think you can do that once and it sort of sets the scene for you and helps explain other people's reactions to her. But you can't use it over and over and well, over again. I think what's yeah. missing I, is her. De- uh, sorry to interrupt. I think what's missing no. is like her developing real theories testing them out, finding things out, adjusting the theory. It's like you literally don't get much about what she even believes until the very end when they're just pulling the rug out from under you entirely. The movie ends with her, like they have to tell her what's going on. Like when I say they, I mean like the filmmakers, like the universe tells her. She has figured nothing out. She's figured absolutely nothing out, which is really wild. Yeah. And so I think that there is enough here stylistically to keep you going. And I'll be honest, I this is somebody's asking, we have a, a, th- a question later on Instagram about your most unpopular movie opinion, and I'm just putting this together now. I don't like Baby Driver. I think the plot and motives of everyone in that movie make zero damn sense. Like, I remember watching that and just being like, I don't know what this is. Like, I guess it's I gotta flashy. watch it. I've yeah. never seen it. That's closer no, to what no, I was right. thinking. But too. I think it actually tracks with a lot of the same problems with this movie. And I think that whenever everybody's, we're dancing around here, so I'll, I'll finish, I'll wrap up here in a minute, John, and then why don't we just roll into what the, like, twist is. Because I think what we're all talking about is that when we're talking about wasted opportunity is that there's a very, John, you said bleak, I think at some point. It's like, a uh, very real, very grim thread that runs through this whole movie about the way that this um, woman who just wanted to be seen and perform and find fame and whatever is basically chewed up and used by this like male dominated system that she's in. And she's just full on like tricked and brought in this life unknowingly. And then she's stuck. And our main character is watching her go through this like and learning oh this is what it used to be like or what's happening there's so much interesting stuff going on from a generational standpoint from a standpoint of like um visible femininity and like exploitation of that i am still shocked that that has absolutely nothing it's never really brought around in any kind of powerful way like yeah that plot line comes back in the end but the, all of these, like, especially in 2021, when we think about the kinds of movies that we get, to go that far down showing that side of this life and then not have it really resonate with the main character at all or be about any kind of her seeking empowerment for this woman or justice or, like, I mean, I guess well, she's, she, well, she's I mean, seeking she was trying justice, to, like, so- she thought, this is where, like, again, like, we'll get to the spoiler, but, like... It's weird that the movie has nothing to say about it in the end. In fact, the way the twist is... You're actually wondering, like, who am I sympathizing with here? Yeah, yeah. Like, well, yeah, because yeah. she, Thomason. Yeah. I mean, well, no, I'm uh, not. But Eloise, the movie's leaving it up for like. How confusing is it that her name's Thomason? You guys. Yeah. Right. Right. <laughs> Eloise is thinks she's the victim. Thinks Sandy's the victim for the entire film, and and we do too, like, because we don't. <laughs> this film wants to say a lot about victims. Well, it literally shows her being killed, like. There's just there's that no, I don't no, I can't stand for that. That yeah, you part just, there's no they don't even let that happen on Pretty Little Liars or like that's not scene here's what it is. Like, here's what that. John can't here's what that. here's what I think you're trying to say. Here's what ultimately she is still also a victim. the The weird thing about the movie is the way that she's also a villain at the end. 
Yeah, yeah. Spoiler well, sorry. Alert. Like yes, that's that the is, part where the movie feels true. confused. There's no me. redemptive art. No, but what I was right. getting to is like, well, what I was tr- responding to is like you mentioned like Eloise didn't she was like living this life, but she was trying to like sa- save Sandy. She wanted to like rescue her memory. That was what I think was driving her. That's why she wanted to like find her in the library. And she was like going to the police to be like, look, we got to solve this murder that happened. She didn't realize like she was just confused. Like this is where the very fundamental problem with this movie is like, what the hell are we supposed to make of Eloise? The whole thing hinges on her having this ability to see ghosts, but it's a fucking lie. Like she, <laughs> right. she either can't see them right. or the ones she's seeing are like, they're not real. Like it, because so the spoiler here is that no, it's very selective it, and it's selective it's, in what it's showing you. So, because it wants to pull the rug out from under you. At the you end. Yeah, this, definitely. You have to believe that her reality, her perception of reality is real because otherwise you have nothing else to go on. Like we weren't in the sixties. It's not, well, like I think it is real for the most part. I think that's what's tripping us up a little is that everything she saw except for the that murder one thing. seems to be completely it? accurate. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so that's the hard part about it. She kind of ducked out before the other stuff happened. Yeah. So yeah. it felt like she was dumping. Time is a flat circle. <laughs> and if true. you look at the parallel lines, <laughs> but like that timeline's going on, she's kind of diving in and out. So we're missing parts of it in between there, right? Yeah. So John, but then how do you in. explain her seeing the murder? Like I haven't, I have a guess, but like I'm curious, like what, I, how other people rationalize. Can it? we drop the spoiler here? here? Yeah, yeah, John, can you just explain so, or someone explain what happens? But the murder, there. what happens is she has the rest of the vision once um, her landlord starts telling her, she starts telling her landlord about the vision she's having and worried about people being murdered and they're asking questions. And we eventually find out that her landlord, Alex, was actually Sandy. And there's a long history of Sandy after she was torn down by this guy, Jack, and forced into this lifestyle that she couldn't take it anymore, and she started taking it out on her johns, which then led to a long line of murders happening in the house. I'm just going to say this. There's too many in the modern version times of this movie. There's way too many random old people that were supposed to be guessing who they are. <laughs> it's too much. Well, that's, I, I hated the, like, the, like, switcheroo for the cop and jack oh that was so unnecessary you're presented with one old white man okay exactly that one was weak that totally supports though like they they definitely seem to want to say something about like fingering white dudes i know i heard it but (laughs) (laughs) i don't think they ever hit the mark so to speak and uh that just makes no sense and totally it's like distracting in a way that like I kept thinking about that character after that, like, and then sort of being like, wait, so was he good or bad? Does it matter? I mean, I think maybe both. It's like he wanted to solve these murders and he wanted to perhaps help these women, but he also clearly was a lech and maybe very inappropriate with women. He's so skeezy in the flashback and that's why it's confusing when they're, yeah. yeah. Yeah, but also, yeah. I think somebody in the bar tells her to like watch out for and him. And then everybody's like, "Oh no, this pillar of society!" It's just, and she's like, oh, right the second that dude's dead, they're like, "Oh my god!" Like the like the effing <laughs> pope, like the pope just got ran down in the middle of the street. For real though, but what, like Grizzly Barmaid is like, oh, we loved him. <laughs> that's one that that's where I, I that's a really key point where the movie to me is confusing about what am I supposed to be thinking about these people? Yeah. Go back though to a, that flashback and the big twist reveal. John was saying, "How do how would I explain that they she saw that murder?" I assume that 
we just didn't see the other angle when it looked like he was getting ready to stab yeah. her where she actually caught the blade with her hand because she showed she had the scar on her palm, right? No, that's exactly it, I think, yeah. Okay, yeah. well, my my, mind, well, if that's true, my mind's blown. My like, reading I'm not even going to try to be cool. Uh, my reading was more <laughs> that she was, like, she actually doesn't see dead people. She, like, reacts to, like, the energy in the the room and the, like, world. Yeah. And, like, the energy, and because there's a line late in the film where, um, what's her name, Diane uh, Rigg, the, M- Ms. Collins is the character, it's, uh, the, the landlady who is revealed to also be Sandy, says to her, like, oh, I did die in that room. And, like, you know, he yeah. killed me or something. Like, he killed me. No, and her so old, she, her young self died. No, well, yeah, but that's what, uh, I keep wanting to call her Thompson, that's what Eloise was seeing was what the the Ms. Collins, like, felt. Like, she was seeing the, like... The you know, emotional, the, the, or, the like, the manifestation of, like... Of, yes. Yeah, exactly, yeah. of, like, the emotion. That's where I was, I feel like. But yeah. I could see that, but I do remember them making a point to show the they scar did. on Diana Riggs they totally and did. her catching yeah. the blade. Well, because they do show you that version of it later in the movie, yeah. where uh, she... It's just... I don't know. It felt like such a f- cheat to me. Like, in, well, in watching it, it in real time, I was like, this is... Honestly... It's kind of it's kind of crazy to see a movie so meticulously visually put together that then does this kind of stuff with the plot. It's almost like how does that happen? Like that's just wild. Because it, it clearly well, I mean, an enormous yeah. amount of thought put into not just how it's shot, but to like what Elizabeth was saying, the entire aesthetic they nail it and it looks so yeah. good. But isn't like Ellie like the classic unreliable narrator and that's why she's jumping around and why we're stumbling around with her because we're discovering it as she i mean that's a pretty pretty classic trope but i could see okay, i'd be curious though as to if you think there's reasons that they didn't stick along to that dude this movie is a you real, know what i mean this movie's a real lesson out there for young ladies do not take drinks from people who straight up hate you and bully you for starters yeah no kidding or strange <laughs> creepy old ladies so wait do you think she because like it was still unclear to me that she got dosed it was implied like, yeah yeah so but i, I think, again like i is? think that was just a setup for us later because she does get dosed by miss collins so like right. another yeah. oh my goodness another I'm bs tired, y'all another bs <laughs> I think, like red. i don't think the blue drink in i think they were just like being kind of like dicks to her but also like really did want another, her to like, hook like up with that john guy red herring yeah. which can we talk for a beat about this guy john who I just is think he's, both the only, I just find it interesting. He's, uh, I mean, he's pretty much the only person of color we see mm. for the whole film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And his name, I mean, it can't be an accident that his name is John. Mm. And we're seeing like this lineup of like faceless Johns. That's a from, great name. That's a good so, point. Okay, I right. <laughs> I don't, okay. Um, I'm John. Uh, so. No H. It's okay, John. No H. Yeah, I, I felt really mixed about the inclusion of his character, too, because a lot of times in a film that is majority white and there's sort of one black character, that character is often, you know, a really bad kind of version of that and, you know, falls into negative tropes or just doesn't have much characterization going on. And I felt like he actually did. Like, you got a sense of who he was as a character. He's interesting. He's not sort of a a stereotypical anything. I think the problem for me that made me feel a little bit uncomfortable is the scene where he and um, Eloise are about to get it on in her room. And then she starts screaming. The landlady comes in. And there's this moment where 
the real fear as an audience is, you know, the cops are going to show up and think that he tried to rape her. And as a black yeah. man, that's, that's even heightened more. And so it kind of felt like a little bit of a cheap ploy to get us, you know, more scared really for no reason, because that has so little to do with anything else don't. that happens in the movie. Yeah, they don't really go there. No. Yeah, they, yeah. Well, it doesn't, it never. My issue forward. with him more is just the actor's delivery. He sounds dopey is the only word I can think to put it. Like he's like a little <laughs> puppy dog that just follow, follows you around. I mean, I, he's just like. Yeah, I think he's supposed right, to be kind of dorky. And, yeah. 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 And like Ariel said, I think they developed him pretty well, but they he yeah. just didn't have anything for him to do. I did. Often was like, movie. "Why are you here in this movie?" Well, and I was like, the whole time, the end of this movie, he gets stabbed, and then he's basically like two feet away from a blazing fire. <laughs> it's like he's dead. Like the, <laughs> the, the the end of this movie. The I mean, we could talk about how it ends because, like, I'm, it was, you know, who gets uh, to yeah, be the hero and so on. But like but he wasn't. Yeah. Yeah. She's like, go save your boy. I'm like, first of all, I was like, do like, not go down those stairs. Like you are going to die. There's a huge <laughs> fire happening downstairs. And he was like a foot away from it. I don't know. The whole thing. I don't know. I think we're all skipping over the biggest plot hole in this movie, John, which is the idea that anyone could sleep in that bed with that light shining on their okay, face. Right. <laughs> <laughs> It's like the Seinfeld with the yeah. It's like Kenny Rogers, full on <laughs> Yo, Kenny Rogers not, roasters. It's it's not that different from my apartment, except that we put blackout shades up. Like it's not. I that tell crazy. this story, but I well, that's I, the whole time. I'm like, what would you do if you did live here? Like, I one you can't time, like I one time stayed over in Bachelor Mark's apartment when he's living in Chicago. His whole he lived on a street, like a city street with city lights. His whole wall was a window. And had no curtains, no blinds, nothing. And was, was like, here you go, apartment. you can sleep on the couch. Yeah. I'm like, the fuck I can. What the hell? What do you think I am? <laughs> Is he a never nude or does he just not care? <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. Craziness. I couldn't get over it. Every time I was shining on her face, I'm like, and she just effortlessly falls asleep. Well, she oh, never yeah. really she falls asleep. She never even says anything like, about it. She just goes into her visions, you know? I love it. It's cool. Thanks. <laughs> uh, do you want to talk about the ending? Did, Somebody want to talk about the ending? Eric, did you recognize the the landlady Diana Rigg? Yeah, she's the mother. Yeah, she's great. Roses or whatever. She's on uh, she Game of Thrones. She was yeah. This Game was her of last yeah. role. She just passed away. Yeah, that's what Elizabeth was saying. Oh, wild. Yeah, I think they dedicated the movie to her at the beginning. It says like for Diana. Nice. You know what's weird? It was weird to see her. I've only ever seen her in Game of Thrones that I know of. It was weird to see her wearing makeup. And that's what I kept looking at her being like, why does she look so different to me? And it's because like <laughs> she just was like a human in Game of Thrones. Yeah. I mean, I thought she did a really great a, job in this as a lamb. <laughs> as opposed to the lizard person. <laughs> <laughs> no, she was really good. Oh, yeah, yeah. I love her Game of Thrones. So for me, part of the problem with the ending, because, again, there are a lot of issues with this film, but I still really enjoyed myself. I think one of the trickier parts about it is kind of what you guys were talking about earlier around like the sort of themes that the director was trying to get at around sex work. It seems very messy to me and not. Yeah, muddled and not totally fleshed out. So. You know, obviously, sex work is work. It should not be stigmatized. But this clearly is sex work under duress. She is being coerced and abused into doing something she doesn't want to do. And And this club is like trafficking, it seems to me. Clearly, yeah. Yeah, she's not the only one, obviously. Um, this is a pattern with this guy. And what when they he go does, down the hallway where it's this like horrifying, like haunted. Right, of, of, like, of women ugh. shooting up and, and yeah, yeah. not doing well, obviously. Yeah, it's pretty awful. So... 
I just think that maybe he didn't totally know where he wanted to go at the end because as we find out, you know, the landlady, Diana Riggs, is Sandy. And so she was the one who went through all of this and then murdered a series of, you know, quote unquote, Johns that she had. And so there's this weird moment with the ghosts in her bedroom. I don't know if you guys remember that. And the ghost is like, or zombie or whatever, is pleading with her mm-hmm. to kill Sandy. And I had Well, this you keep weird, saying like, help me. Help, yeah. Right. And then yeah. they do say kill Sandy. They, they say kill her. Uh, and then yeah. on this note, also, I, I wrote on the exact same thing. And then like not too long after that, there is a moment where um, she's talking to, I'm getting all the names confused now, to Sandy in her visions, her like young Sandy. Yeah. And there was some interaction where it was like, uh, they deserved it. And she says, I know they did. Like there's acknowledgement that like, Right, exactly. It's so like both sides. It's very yeah, yeah. confusing. Yeah, because there was this moment where I was like, oh no, please tell me the director isn't going here where he's going to like bl- victim blame and side with these creepy men. And it doesn't go there where we do get Eloise saying like you, you did what you had to do kind of a thing. And so where I think it gets a little muddled is that then what ends up happening at the very end is that Sandy basically kills herself. Mm-hmm. She sits down on that bed and allows herself to be burned alive as opposed to, you know, being arrested or whatever. And so I sort of think he maybe meant to say that women were treated badly and that sometimes in order to combat that, you almost have to become a villain yourself. Mm. But in her killing herself, I just think it kind of undercuts that a little bit. And it's just... It's imperfect. It's very imperfect. I mean, that reading to it—that's incredibly astute, though. Yeah, that reading to it is very smart, (laughs) and I think paints it in a better light than anything that my brain was able to come up with. Same. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, I mean, just the fact that you have to—I mean, not you, but that the viewer, yeah, is like forced to to kind of like wrestle with this, and and not wrestle with like, oh, like he's raising challenging questions. I thought it's like. You kind of have to like bend yourself in a pretzel just to like to be like get this to something. Makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> it's like yeah. what the it's fuck? It's a story. That is an <laughs> argument though for this putting this in the Giallo camp because those movies never make well, goddamn sense. Yeah, <laughs> Amen. So, exactly. Amen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> talking about what these just zombies women and blood. Eric, you're talking about these zombies and stuff there towards the end. So after Ellie comes home from runs off from the Halloween party, I believe she still has the eye makeup and stuff. She's getting attacked by these zombies. And there's one shot in there where she either gets thrown on a table or lays down on the bed or whatever. And all the zombie hands start coming through the bed and whatnot and holding her down. And she's screaming. It's shot from above at a weird angle. That to me was like the perfect Argento yeah. homage right there for that shot. And that's what really got me hung up on the I GI robots. I didn't understand. Like, so in the universe where those zombies want her to help them, why are they, they grabbing atta- her? Why like are they that? Cause that her, was yeah. that same scene. So it's just like that. Well, they're probably not high on social graces. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I mean, like a lot of haunting uh, movies, haunted house movies, ghost movies, yeah. where you think that the ghosts are trying to attack somebody, but really they're just yeah, kind of trying to yeah. communicate a need. I mean, yeah. that's a very standard horror yeah. trope, and I think yeah. maybe it wasn't done perfectly John, here. they are spectral but, zombies after all. 
<laughs> I did enjoy. I did think it was cool when the faces of the Johns morphed from one into another. Yeah, I was just gonna say there's like yeah. a, it's like this symbolic like faceless kind of thing. Yes, it's mm-hmm. not. It gets a, like kind of overused because at some point. All of the scares are just a bunch of these dudes who are making right. weird faces. They show and like, you so much of it yeah. that, like, at some point, I was like, "Is it just the mouth? Is that the? Is it that they can't speak? Is this like oh, some message uh-huh. from? No, I don't know. Like, then it was getting blurry <laughs> again. And like, but they give you enough chance to like stare at the monster for so long that it's it's very ineffective. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, that. And my other question is, if so, she did all this in the '60s. How did she cover the smell of all those bodies in the second floor? <laughs> Well, she didn't remember. She makes that comment about how you're going to have to like plug up something because the smell will start to waft oh, up. She, yeah, I yeah. think that was the dead bodies. Yeah. Oh, you're right. <laughs> well, and how Which long could she gross. have, and how long could she have done that before the club owner would be like, gee, like my regulars aren't coming around anymore. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, uh, they were right last now. seen <laughs> leaving with you. Like, hey, that's my bro. Uh, I remember. Right. My friend Rapey McRaperson over here, like he's he's missing and yeah. Yeah, haven't seen him in a minute. I haven't seen Louis Louis Vincenzo in a month. (laughs) (laughs) It is crazy, like the hard swing, like they go so hard down the like romantic musical well when the two of them meet each other. It's such a hard hard ride. I mean, the the whole movie feels like a musical. Even the, I mean, there's parts of it that just are kind of pretty musical. But even the um. The way he shoots modern London, it all feels like a larger-than-life set piece, which I actually yeah. really liked. I liked that vibe to kind of the whole movie. Like that. He's so close, though, to like what he did in Baby Driver, where there was actual meshing of like the choreography of movement and blocking the scenes and the music. That, to me, I, I wish, I almost wish he would have like just done that Fully in this film as well, because it's, it's a more sort of, I guess, like visceral experience with something that's going to be so lush, where I think we're discussing that it like falls short. It might, that that would keep me in it. Sure. I never actually saw a baby driver, so I don't, I don't know how that works. The driving stuff is cool as hell. (laughs) I do think that scene where they're dancing in the club in the beginning, where every time there's a spin, it changes, you know, who he's dancing with and, and the way they see themselves in the mirrors. I think all of that worked really well with the music and the other genius, just of the way that he did the soundtrack is that obviously he picked songs from that specific era, that sort of mod yeah. 60s era that he's trying to reference. But he picked songs that are fairly recognizable, I would imagine, to most people. So I think everybody's heard Downtown, um, you know, World Without Love. Everybody's heard The Who or The Kinks. Like, we know this music, yeah. so you're instantly kind of transported to where he wants you to go. I, knew I can't hear Downtown without thinking about Seinfeld. Seinfeld, though, so it's, yeah. It's <laughs> multiple <laughs> Seinfeld references in this, show, yeah. in this movie, John. <laughs> Um, <laughs> I would honestly, though, after the first half of this movie and the way that he put together these flashbacks and that whole 60s world that he built, I'd love to see him go back and like remake an old Bond movie or something. Mm. That'd, oh, be cool. that'd be cool. He's got that vibe down. It'd be fun. Yeah. <laughs> He'd have, he has a good tone for that. Like, that would be mm-hmm. interesting. Good call. Anything anything else? I do think that the theme that worked the best for me, that was maybe the most cleanly done was the idea of sort of 
toxic nostalgia. She's in love mm-hmm. with this time period. She thinks it's so beautiful. She loves the music and the fashion and the hair right. and everything. But then when she actually comes face to face with the realities of how a woman would have been treated at that time, she's like, oh shit, this is dark. That's such you a good know? point. And then with the, the point yeah. you could argue based on that, that the point at which the movie takes that hard turn is where she just pokes at it enough to start to like see the reality. Yeah, oh. see that underbelly. Mm-hmm. But- my, so I think that's totally right. The very last scene of the film where she's having her like fashion show though, is like, she's just bringing it back. Like she's still celebrating, you know, she didn't like yeah. learn right. the lesson. <laughs> this is where I'm like, what are we? So like, she's, ah, she's, she's a genius. A really and I don't understand John. what, like that's, that wants to tie a bow on so many things that I just don't feel like it does. No, yeah. it was fucking, it was like, she earned nothing. Cause like, I didn't love it. And then like, okay. It, it wasn't, it wasn't bad. Like, it's beautiful. Why, I, I'll save it. But I didn't, that, I was like, no, I don't like that little end. Yeah. I mean, I think you're supposed to like. take away that this experience gave her the confidence to be who she, you know, really is. And you sort of see that as the way she moves through the world in that yeah. final scene. But you're right that in having her not sort of take some 60s inspiration and make it modern, but essentially just recreate those exact dresses. It does sort of diminish that theme a little bit. Yeah. That, and I've watched enough Project Runway to know that you don't show up to your big runway show with three dresses that look look the same. Yeah, that was the shortest <laughs> show I've ever seen. She was a first year student. Like, let's cut her off. Like, yeah, that's like, hey, But also, like, that's why she was um, celebrated. Like, she was multiple looks for John, season. she's a fashion genius, okay? She looked at an old yeah. book and was like, this. Mm-hmm. I'm going to have you show yeah. this. Mm-hmm. And also, how long do you need to work on that sketch, John? For real, you ever seen uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja well, Turtles? Well, she'd color the, the hair. And the movie, John. In Teenage Mutant nope. Ninja Turtles, the movie, April O'Neil does a full sketch of like all the turtles in one montage, and mm-hmm. it's over. <laughs> well, like a, a voiceover is like reading her journal. <laughs> yes, it's called Fashion Eric. Look it up. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, I know nothing about it, so I I allow for some uh, error. What did we think of Jocasta, Hurricane Jocasta? She was pretty generic and but sufficiently annoying. I feel like I've met somebody that super reminds me of her because like, the every time she oh, was on screen, I was like, I don't. Is that like, the bully? I know girl? I'm not supposed to like you, but like, there's something like dinging me in a way that like makes me not want to walk into a Macy's maybe, or I don't know who I knew this <laughs> person from, but yeah. But yeah, well, like with so the, the writing problems. With the writing problems we've talked about, I mean, she kind of felt like she the only reason was she was there was to get Ellie to that apartment, right? Well, it's pretty toothless. Which, yeah. Like she Which hangs, seemed like a step we didn't need it to. Like, it's like, I don't know. Yeah. She, she hangs around in the movie to serve no purpose, and then they have this red herring where maybe she drugged her, but then, yeah, like, it doesn't mean anything in the larger arc of the movie. Right. Because they could have just as easily had her not go to the dorms at the beginning it's of the just, movie and have right. her find an apartment because she Animal. couldn't afford it. There really it. is so much happening in the in this. It's almost well, like the rest of the characters that aren't these two women are like the Greek chorus of like this story that's so grand in scope and like and I think ambitious. Like it's very ambitious, and that it, there are just so many chances for it to miss the mark. It doesn't miss all of them, but like it misses enough that like I feel like that's what the average person is going to take away from yeah. a viewing of it. Yeah, you're probably right. Yeah. Word. <laughs> All right. Would you recommend this movie, Elizabeth? Yes. It's so pretty. It's really beautiful. And if you yeah, like music and stuff, that's pretty. Like, it's not 
it's not offensive. Like it's not going to hurt to watch. It's very, very lovely. Yeah. I think for me, a lot of my criticisms are like in contrast with how freaking beautiful it is. Like it's almost frustrating that it like kind of goes off the rails a little bit. Um, Ariel. Yeah, I would totally recommend it. There's a lot of stuff that I really liked about it. And obviously, like we've said, some of it doesn't hold together at the end, but I still enjoyed the journey. So yeah, watch it. Casey. Yeah, I'm right there with Ariel. I really like this a lot and it's, uh, I enjoyed it. So it's worth a shot. John. I'm going to be the dissenting voice and say, <laughs> no. Okay, John's mad. I didn't. <laughs> Not. <laughs> I'm going to say yes. Good. For the same reason. I just think it's really Do visually it. compelling. And like, I was not bored. And I've seen a lot of movies this year that bored me. So I'll, I'll give it that. I was annoyed. That was more my problem. I was not annoyed bored, is, but I was yeah, getting annoyed. Annoyed is fair, for sure. Yeah. I mean, straight up, it's not a horror movie. So we could start there. Like, yeah, I mean, if you like horror movies, don't watch this. Well, I'm just saying, like, it's an, it, you're not going to dislike it if you like horror movies. This is not a horror movie, in my opinion, but yeah. another conversation. All right, y'all. I'm just going to do it for last night in Soho. Let's take a quick break and do some fan mail. Weather got some little monsters up tight. Make it a blockbuster night. Blockbuster has something for everyone. Even the fussiest little beasts settle down to enjoy blockbuster. I just love a family night. If the weather's a fright, make it a blockbuster night. Lisa Zane from Nightmare on Elm Street, and you are listening to Bloody Good Horror. Send feedback to info at bloodygoodhorror.com or on Twitter using hashtag AskPGH. Join Patreon to get back episodes and much more. Patreon.com slash bloody good horror. Lucky for me, John, I don't have to worry about falling asleep because there's a goddamn red light shining in my face all night. Sometimes it's not red. Sometimes it's like blue or something. <laughs> yeah, it just Doesn't change color. It's like red it's a, off. It's a French bistro. Blue so. off. Yeah. Red off. Like red I love off. how she's like, there's a French bistro next door. And then like we back out and it's like French bistro. Yeah. Like it's the called like French so like bistro exactly 36 or some shit like that. Um, love it. Well, John, we already talked about your marathon. So... I think that's enough about you tonight. How do you feel about that? <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. Okay. <laughs> that's good to me. Um, Casey, you got something you wanted to plug tonight. Yes. Uh, last week, the episode came out, I believe, but I recently sat down on uh, Films at First Sight with their very own Caitlin and Joe uh, from their Films at Fo- uh, First Sight. And we watched uh, Witchfinder General and talked about all sorts of fun uh, Vincent Price stuff. So, Is that a hammer thing? 
Uh, no, but it's very close. Yeah, same Spiritual. kind of vibe. Yeah. Love it. Films at first sight. Um, Ariel, where can people find you and the zombie girls? Yeah, so you can find us on our website, zombiegirls.com, and that's G-R-R-L-Z. And I'm on two podcasts, The Zombie Girls, which is sort of our OG feminist podcast, and then More Deadly is our other one. And that's me and Rachel, who's been on your show a few times, talking about horror movies directed by women-identified directors. And we're ZG Podcasts on Twitter and Instagram. Love it. Yes, you and Rachel have now been on a bunch of times making me feel yeah, smart. Yeah, it's been great. And it's awesome. <laughs> love, your, <laughs> love your network and shows. Oh, thank you. Um, Elizabeth, what, where can people find you? Um, I mean, here sometimes and then the internet sometimes. <laughs> and then I disappear into a black hole for like 12 days because I uh, get overwhelmed with well, life. Right now you're um, on the latest episode of Plug It Up. Um, I believe that was true until it was, yeah. No yeah. episode this week, so. Yeah, so and still yes. top of the feed. <laughs> Carrie, uh, I listened to it, it was really good. Carrie 2013. It was super fun. I was I was really psyched to get to go back to Carrie with her. Yeah. Yeah, you and Caitlin Girl. have such good chemistry on that show. It's always really fun to listen to. Oh, thank you. That's yeah. so sweet. I agree. Um, plug it up. And also, um, so on social, what are you? And people can see, if they don't have the live feed tonight, they can see your cosplay on there too. Yeah, I'll, po- I'll post a pic. Um, it is at Final Girl Scout everywhere. So Love it. Instagram, mm-hmm. Twitter, et cetera. Mm-hmm. John, December 1st, Classics Feed, on the way. Um, all you gotta do is become a patron at any level, patreon.com slash bloody good horror. If you're already um hooked up to the the um spin-off feed, that's gonna become the classics feed. And you're gonna get weekly shows in there. Um so check that out, John. Have you teed up? Do you know what the first one is? I've picked a Maybe. few. I might actually shuffle it around a little bit, but I did. Yeah, I picked a few. Elizabeth was um, has listened to some of them. To I was like I was saying we were going to vet them, and now I'm just like I think it's too much work. <laughs> make make that, sure we didn't say anything <laughs> too offensive. I was at work like titties. Okay, that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> literally like holding babies. We yeah. had to get Mark off the show for a reason. You know? I know. <laughs> I know. Mark and his, his vulgar mouth. Uh, love it so yeah check that out patreon.com slash bloody good horror and as i mentioned last week john all the shirts are out so i'm hoping to um work with an artist to do a patreon exclusive shirt for q1 2021 nice that's what you business you're you're businessing right yeah good businessing eric i don't know john Mm -hmm. i'm I'm a creative person i'm allergic to business but i try (laughs) when do the annual reports come out q3 right uh, no, it just depends on when your fiscal year ends. Okay, I'm done. What I'm is done. a rundown? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, Casey, we actually have no emails tonight. Casey, what do we got going on at uh, Twitter? We got two tweets tonight. Ask BGH is the hashtag. First up, longtime friend listener, Skizbot, went out on the town back when we did such things. What was your adult beverage of choice? Man. Beer. Yeah. yeah. Beer. I mean, I like a Manhattan. If I'm going to drink champagne. a cocktail, I usually go to Manhattan in the winter. Not a Vesper. Sure. A Vesper. No, not a Vesper. <laughs> what is a Vesper? Does anybody know what a. It's yeah. a martini made with both gin and vodka. Ooh. Oh, okay. Well, didn't, you were telling me it was That's weird. Uh, you were telling me it was a made up thing for a James Bond thing or something? 
Right. So it was introduced in uh, one of the James Bond films. I can't remember which, but I believe there's um, some type of automobile product also mm. that this was like promoting. Well, are they I saying maybe. Vespa, like the scooter? I think or so. Are they? I okay. think so, yeah. I didn't know if that. Don't you know, I do know it's from, it is, it was in Inception in the James Bond. Yeah. I think I probably would have gone beer for a long time and then like maybe like a vodka soda with a lime. That's, That's my dream. Yeah. Yeah. For. It's just light and get real drunk. Mm-hmm. It's good. I usually like to start the night off with a good Manhattan and then maintain with beer because I know if I stay on the Manhattans, it's going to get ugly. Wow. <laughs> I have a friend. I my guts out the one night. I tried to be like a Manhattan or like a Martini, like extra dirty. I didn't know that meant like gross and salty. Ugh, I had no man. idea. I, w- I had a friend. You know what? Who... I actually answered that wrong because I, I, I had uh, that on the brain because Elizabeth was talking about it. I like old fashions. Oh, old fashions are good unless you get like try to order one at some crappy bar like i yeah if they're not doing it right like just like just cheap like, yeah it's just like no, this is not it i don't need like a packet of sugar in here thanks um i literally had one made for me once that was like a like a diner packet of sugar in it instead of like Michael whatever Scott, simple yeah. syrup oh, or whatever gross. it's supposed to be um <laughs> man I, I had a friend who's obsessed with tom collins which yeah. I know like, that from Meet the Fockers. It's like gin <laughs> and like la lemon or lime soda or something, and then like you put it cherry juice in it or something like that. It's good. It's really sweet. But he, I've I've heard him explain what this is to multiple bartenders who are just like, I'm not a hundred, dude. I don't know what you. Who's named after? I want to know Tom who Collins, is Tom Collins. You, you can always get Tom Collins mix. I feel like any every you bar can get the mix. Mixed. Yeah, and then so, but he would like then just carry like a regulation Tom Collins bar around in his car so that anywhere he went. Wow. He could just make these. Wow. That's, That's like my aunt with her diet tab. Yeah, he was also <laughs> an alcoholic. Is probably worth pointing out, John. Mm-hmm. But yeah, you usually if you have <laughs> your own drink service <laughs> in the car. Yeah. <laughs> Good question, Casey. What else we got? Um. Then also we have from our friend, at least most of our friend after this tweet, I don't know, at Rachy Pants, have you ever had mm-hmm. a secret admirer? And does he probably live in your walls and is watching <laughs> you right now? Ariel? That <laughs> is not a joke, Rachel. <laughs> okay. You should not be joking about these things. I started getting weird deliveries at my apartment, just like random pieces of food and beverage would show it's up on my doorstep. And Rachel is convinced because of other things happening in my apartment that there's a dude living in my walls. I've seen the boy. <laughs> I've seen the boy. It can happen. Yeah. Just saying. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm not a fan of that theory, though. <laughs> yeah. And that's it for tweets. Love it. Let's see. Uh, what do we got on the old Instagram? All I can think of now is uh, weird science that dude lived in the closet. Oh, uh-huh. That was his name. <laughs> um, let us see. First up, uh, Black Christmas or Black Xmas, which was the 2005 remake. The original. Christmas, yeah. Yeah, of course. At the original. I, I never s- saw the remake. You're not on but the I internet, heard you John. guys loved it, so. No, I'm starting to see, much in the way that I, John, predicted that younger generations would start to write think pieces about how the Star Wars prequels were brilliant. I said that on the show like 17 years ago and was friggin' right, like it happens all the time now. People are starting to do the same thing with that Black Christmas remake and just like use, just be like, oh, it's a really under, like, no, he makes cookies out of skin for no reason. In that movie. <laughs> oh, that one. Yeah, that yeah. one is with Michelle Trachtenberg. Yes, that one from Ooh. the early mid 2000s or whatever. Yeah. That was 
blasphemous. I'm just saying there is what <laughs> I have learned, John, means. what I've learned in my time on the internet, there is no movie that will not be intellectualized at some point by like a younger generation coming along and being like, well, yeah, actually, I mean, yeah. isn't that what we're doing here? It's fine. Yeah. We're trying to sound smart on the I internet. Applied for. <laughs> um, best side dish for Thanksgiving. Corn soup. Stuffing. Stuffing. I agree. What are we talking about? When we, are we, is this going in the bird? Well, well ideally, it doesn't have it's to. It's come into my house in a car from Aunt Jean. <laughs> and what's <laughs> and what's in it? Um, corn. Well, that's so at ours, we would have two. Mamaw would make one, and it would have the turkey in it, but she makes the white meat and the dark meat. Not everybody like that. So she would have hers on the right, and then Aunt Jean, she would have the turkey the in the stuffing. Yeah, I kind of dug it. That's really, yeah, that sounds good. Because then you can just like make a sandwich if we're going raw skeller, like with it. Yeah, yeah. You can make your sandwich the next day and just have like your cranberry sauce on the one mo- side and the like moist put maker. this in the middle. That um, sounds good. That does sound nice. <laughs> yeah, I get gluten Shout out Rayburn family. Like, I like sausage in, in my stuffing and I don't That's like walnuts or like nuts. I don't really want too much like weird crunchy crap in there. Just like bread and sausage is good for me. I don't know if I've ever had stuffing with sausage. That it's sounds real, amazing. It's real good. That does sounds good. Um, I my Florida relatives put oysters in theirs, which is pretty good. Um, I've never had that. I mean, they're cooked. It's not like weird raw oysters. Like they're, you know, it's not bad. I don't know if I like that texture. That's not Thanksgiving. I, don't know. It, I love dude, oysters. It's regional, man. You know, like Casey. I've never heard of corn souffle, but Casey yeah. is Thanksgiving Holiday. to Casey. So. Oh yeah, it's good stuff. Uh, my oh, answer the play is fantastic, by the way. Let me just say. My answer is my mother's coleslaw, which is incredible and just becomes a condiment to put on anything else. So that sounds <laughs> nice. good. I agree. I have a weakness for ambrosia salad. I know yes. it's super gross because it's essentially sour cream and marshmallows and canned sour fruit, cream. but it's really good. Is there sour cream in ambrosia salad? That's how my, my grandma always made it. You mix the two together and you stick that in the fridge overnight and they like melt together and then you toss in all the fruit. Man, that is so funny. So often I'll call my grandmother and be like, oh, I loved this like pie that you made. What was the, what's the recipe? And she's like, oh, you just get canned. It's literally like you go to the store, (laughs) cherry pie filling, dump, put the fake pie. I'm like, oh, okay. Yes, that happened to me. I wanted my grandmother's uh, blueberry pie recipe and it turned out it was just like basically everything store-bought and canned. Oh, and I legit was like, yeah. you've never tried anything like this. Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. That happened to me. It, was, it wasn't pies, though. My mom, I watched her take the can of uh, pre-made sausage gravy out of the can one morning for breakfast, and she was making like, me biscuits what? and gravy. I like, no! <laughs> I gotta say, I was pretty spoiled. My mom, like, made kind of everything when we were kids. She was a good good cook. Oh, yeah, you were spoiled. Um, <laughs> this is a good one. Versus question: Toby from the new Paranormal Activity versus the new Candyman. Here's what I As say about this: Candyman, like- Candyman has to be summoned. Oh, this does, is true. Does Toby technically have to be summoned? I guess that's maybe he does. Toby's got to be even unchanged. In the latest from, Toby's got to be uncha- unhooked from the wall in the cave. From the goat lady or whatever. <laughs> Isn't Toby's just a part of all of us? <laughs> I think he's everywhere. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Come on. I, He's well, the reason all, for the season. I watched Candyman. I watched the new one. Where did you all land on like what happens at the end? Like you get the to- Toby Todd, to- Tony Todd. Toby Todd. Jesus Christ, Toby Todd. <laughs> the Tony Todd sort of like callback. 
is yeah. yeah so the, is the new Candyman just the old Candyman? The now? idea like, being that it's transition? the idea it's being like that it's like a generational. It's, all, it's a generational curse that gets like passed did, on. Did, did, did you, you watch watch the whole that movie? <laughs> But like at the end, they show Tony Todd. Like you get the Tony Todd face. That's like the and the but you see the other one too. Like you see the dude from yeah. the '70s and like you see they're a bunch the of them. They're all. Yeah, you have to. It helps it honestly if you stay through the credits and. Oh yeah, I didn't watch the credits. Yeah. Um. All right. Yeah. Well, I missed the whole point of the movie. I guess I'll tell you. Right <laughs> so, um. All right. Two more, John. Mm. What is your most unpopular film opinion? I am indifferent. To the Exorcist. Oh wow! Mm. That's a bold position to stake. Yeah, mine said I don't like Baby Driver that much. <laughs> I also, and this is like a real specific niche nerd thing, but I think that the Halloween producer's cut is actually a lot worse than the theatrical cut, and I don't get. It just was like a novelty because you couldn't get it. And that's why people. If you ever have four days, you want to waste ask him. (laughs) (laughs) It's true. Do you mean Halloween one? They made a producer. No, Halloween. Halloween. It is an interesting story. Halloween six had to be chopped up because. uh, Oh, partially because Uh, um, what's his face died and he was kind of needed for the sequel the way it was written. And so they, they did a ton of reshoots. They chopped it up. They gave it a new score that was like a little more modern-y sounding released it and then on the internet and this was like internet horror fan lore in like the late nineties that like you could, you could go on eBay and buy the producer was so pissed about what happened that he basically leaked his own cut of it on VHS. That was the, I would have spent my whole life looking for that show. I did. I mean, I bought copies and then <laughs> sold copies on eBay, like from the copy that I bought. It was like, that's why you get the four hour version of the it, story. <laughs> basically recut yeah. a bunch of stuff. It changed the ending. It added in the original score, but, and this is like a real sticking point for me, John it used the original score pieces in the wrong places. Like it, it was mm-hmm. not used in the right con. It's just like, you can't just slap that shit anywhere, John. That doesn't work that way. No. So it's bad. I don't, I don't, so that's mine, but that's, you'd have to be a that's real specific not a popular opinion, right? You'd You're have to be a real specific <laughs> kind of nerd to have that first opinion that I'm railing against. <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't know. This is the kind of question I would need to like, maybe I know I need to think about it. Yeah. I There's mean, no I, like, would agree, I would agree on Baby Driver with Eric, although I don't think I cared about it one way enough or another to call that my big white whale. I didn't like La La Land. Oh, I've never seen it. Never watched it. Yeah, I think we've covered that I didn't like Forrest Gump. Didn't we have that argument at oh, some that's, point? Oh, that's just not American. What? I love that. It's just <laughs> yeah. not a good movie. I love like, that it's movie. Just, it's bad. I mean, like, I liked it at the time I, I saw look, it, but I've I'll give you this. I would have to sit down and, like, think about what it is that, like, like really reconsider it. <laughs> That movie hits different in the Midwest. Well, have yeah. you wa- have you watched it lately? <laughs> it's been a minute. Yeah, it's been yeah. a little. Because like, look, not... I was fucking with Titanic recently, and I was like, yeah, that still hits. It's good. like I have not sat down with Forrest Gump in a minute and been like, today's time in minutes. Would I give it to you? Right. Like sitting watching this, I don't know. If I meet someone and they're like, my favorite movie is Forrest Gump, I'm immediately like walking away. I'm just like, I gotta get out of here. <laughs> like, <laughs> that's your can't be part of this conversation anymore. <laughs> that that would be an interesting. Yeah. See, I've seen Forrest Gump and like Hoosiers more times than I would ever care to admit, and none of it by my own doing, because my mom had them on VHS and she put them on every Saturday when she God was cleaning me. the house. Ah. So we watched like Forrest Gump for like six months straight every Saturday, and then mm-hmm. followed by Hoosiers. <laughs> I mean, Hoosiers is fine. Like I, you know, there's. I have that same story for a daycare that I volunteered at when I was like a preteen for like service hours or something, where. They had a bucket that was like 
they're like, go pick a movie out. And like, I got really excited the first day I was there. Oh my God. Like I get to pick it. And they're like, uh-huh. And I was like, cool. And like, we're going over there. It was a never ending story. I was like, sweet. And then, uh, the last unicorn. Yep. Uh, and then bed knobs and Burton sticks. And oh. that was it. That movie. So and wow. so you've literally seen a million times now. I was three at hits. that station for, I don't know, like 300 camp shifts in a row. And was just like, I can't, I, I'm just going to, I don't know what to do. Dude. With I want to, I want to watch. Bed I can't knobs. hear a note of any song from like any of those movies. <laughs> I want to watch Bed Knobs and Broomsticks. My kids, kids, so bad. It's like probably my number one favorite nostalgic like kid movie. But like, do I want to have a conversation with my five year old about what Nazis are? Nazis. <laughs> <laughs> Holy right. shit, dude! Yeah. Like, it's a lot. Nazis ruin a lot of that stuff. It's a lot. But yeah. I had nightmares as a kid. Like, there's something about those animated uh, nights at the, the end skeletons. really horrified me. And like I had nightmares about it straight up when I was a kid, even though they're like the good guys in the movie. Not the Nazis. You were fine there. Well, I didn't really get it. I, mean, I don't know. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, last question, John. I like to prepare you. Thank you. you got, a while ago, you got upset at me when you weren't ready to. I'm, I'm, I like that this is I, a bit now that you're yeah. like, are you I'm ready? ready? To, trigger warning, John. The show's <laughs> almost over. <laughs> um, tarot or Ouija? Oh. Um. So tarot, I've never done, uh, maybe I've done tarot once. Let me read I your feel hands. like it's mostly about the card reader is like, there's a lot of interpretation going on there, which is like cool, potentially. Ouija board is like, nah, that's spirit speaking, you know, in human yeah. form. So, Like I mean, John, for real legit, do you believe in Ouija board? <laughs> Elizabeth, is fa- <laughs> Elizabeth is fascinated with this question. I, I don't. But I think they're okay. fun. I'm I'm here for them. Okay. Here's the funny thing. That's, that's I also like on an intellectual level don't think I believe in a Ouija board. But straight up, Elizabeth has tried to get me to do one with her multiple I times. I have one that he and, won't touch. And I will do anything to change the subject when it comes. In. <laughs> but it's like, I think I'm hungry right now. Like, he's not just like ha ha ha. Nope. Like I'll be like, okay, let's do it. Like in the next thirty minutes. Like it's sitting right there, and he'll just be like. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm gonna go get some water. Like straight like, up. I was like, put your hands on the fucking board. I want to see the boots because you don't think it does, and I feel like you are just you just worried that it would. Straight up, I don't want to even address it. <laughs> you don't have like a Fraggle Rock Ouija board, do you? I wish that would be amazing. But that's why he's afraid of it. <laughs> Uncle Traveling Matt's in the middle of it. That's the plan, Chad. Is his face? <laughs> Anyone else? I would have to, for myself, I would say Ouija over tarot because I know how to do one and not the other. But for Colleen, my wife, I think probably vice versa for the same reason. Well, no, she knows how to do them both, but she actually knows tarot. <laughs> it is it is against the rules of the Ouija board to play alone. You cannot play it by yourself. You can read your own right. three cards. That's spread how you though, get so. ghosts. That is how you get ghosted. Like, <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you want to get ghosts? That's how you get ghosts. <laughs> mm-hmm. I love it. All right. Very good questions this evening. John, by the time people hear this, they will already have experienced American Thanksgiving. So I hope everybody had a good time and stayed safe and uh, all that all that stuff. And um, we are heading into uh, year end here. So we're gearing up for that. It's coming on hot. Are, are you ready, John, for your yearly festivities? I mean, I'm not ready right this second, but I will be ready. Okay. I'm mentally, I'm getting myself mentally into shape. Yes. Good. Sounds good. I'm excited. All right. Well, thank you, Ariel and Elizabeth, for joining us tonight. 
That well, thank is you guys. Thank you. going to do it for last night in Soho. Hope you guys enjoy the show and we'll talk to you next week. See you. Bye. Later. Bye-bye.